Hello, everybody, and welcome to this dangerous podcast. My name is Johnny Maunders. This dangerous podcast, that is us, the podcast where we hold truth to power. We hold people to account. We fuck around with the people in control of everything. That sounds really shit. I might edit that out. And DJ's laughing at me. But yeah, we <laughs> no, cause it. We cause it. He's like the guy that um, movie, and he's like the poison for what's the same. What you just... No, <laughs> the poison. Bro. I hate you. It's the poison, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, I am joined by DJ, who you can hear laughing. Say hello, DJ. Hello. And also by Bertie Trail. Hello, everyone. I'm so wearing I, merch today. You are cut wearing me, merch. Cut me and I bleed merch. You are wearing an exotic t-shirt that says this dangerous podcast on it. Represent. Cusco. Yeah. Poison for Cusco. Right. I'm a dirty no, advert. That's what I am. Oh, wait. Are you talking about the Emperor's New Groove? Yeah. Oh, right. That guy, Crunk, isn't it? Crunk. Yeah, Crunk. He makes his spinach puffs. My oh. spinach like puffs. Him. God, I love Krog. That's the same. That's the guy from Family Guy as well, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Plays What's Joe. His... He's so great. Yeah. He's, he's great. Such a, he's such a like sweet little. <laughs> yeah, I feel like beefcake. Little beefcake. Little beefcake. Sweet little beefcake. No, I like that. It's accurate. I feel like Krog is, is such a like doofus. You know, like, I love it. I think we have to... like a gentle giant. I think we have to continue yeah. on from our 25th episode. Sweet little beefcake, DJ 2021. Okay, before we get onto our main topic, which is time, we are going to, there's a few kind of headlines or things for the adjudication panel. Uh, first one is today, the recording on Saturday, there was a uh, massive protest, 10,000 people against the police bill that we talked about a lot on this podcast. 10,000 people, which is pretty amazing considering we're in lockdown opposing the government's plan to give police more powers to shut down protests and basically yeah people saying no like fuck the government fuck the police to quote the nwa the nwa nwa sorry what does, what does uh, NWA, nwa stand for johnny can you just enlighten me to that <laughs> and okay go on and uh you've yeah you've derailed me now bertie um, I, I know exactly what it stands for. It's fine. It's, one of these, uh, one of these rap groups that the youngsters have now, um, and um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, defending the right to protest. That is that is the key. That's impressive. Was that all in like around Westminster then? Yeah, there were also there were protests every in a lot of cities, but the big yeah. biggest one was obviously in London. And obviously, there were people getting arrested as well. And wait, is that the happened? one I saw a video of? I thought that was. No, I thought there was another anti-mask protest. Uh, not, not today. I, I'm sure there was some anti-mask elements of this. I'm sure there was. But the main thing was just about this police bill. Mm-hmm. It was called Kill the Bill. Um, <clears throat> not the popular procedural ITV TV show. Was Uma Thurman there? Uh, oh, from Kill Bill? No, she wasn't yeah. there. Um, and Kill Bill 2. Yeah, that is true. There was a second film. And it is. I, I actually prefer the sequel. Just a lot of people do. It's like it's like Godfather Part Two is better than Godfather Part One. That's right. But you've got to watch Godfather One to appreciate the second one. That's true. You can't just go straight in with Kill Bill Two. Like no, it's nuts. 
The Dark Knight is better than Batman Begins, but if you don't watch Batman Begins, you can't appreciate Dark Knight. It's like I was saying the other day about like, I think we were talking about books and like reading through, like, it's like just trying to skip to the end of the Harry Potter series to like get the climax. It's like, well, then you're not going to understand any of what the climax is about. So read the, read the follow up. I hate when people want to like rush through movies. You're like showing someone a new movie and they keep asking like why things are happening. It's like, well, maybe you should just watch the movie. Exactly. Uh-huh. Who would have thought? That is a regular conversation in my house. I'm not gonna lie. Like <laughs> some people pay close attention, others just don't, and then they try and pick I, it I up. And they can't. Just, like stopping, pausing movies and like talking about stuff, like really good scenes, speculating things. Can we just talk about what that guy did? I am that person that really wants to do that, particularly. The sad thing is, I love to say it was in political films where, like, there's political points, but usually it's in, like, superhero films. And I'm like, well, actually, that was a reference to a comic book that was released in 1981 in which Captain America... Blah, blah, blah. That's usually what I do. <laughs> just to prove... Or it's like a mute song. I'll be like, well, did you know what that song is? Well, actually, that song was... Uh, just to prove... I think it's my own insecurity that I want to prove how smart I am. This is definitely a conversation topic for the nerd cut, I reckon. Yeah, I think That's so. definitely, definitely um, a juicy topic. Definitely. Hey, I'm not a nerd. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. No, you're not a nerd. You're a nerd. You're a jock, DJ. Yeah. Can I just say, DJ's walked off now because I've called her a nerd. She's going to go and get her baseball bat to show that she's a yeah. jock. She really. kills nerds. Yeah, she's a nerd hunter. She beats them to pulp. To a pulp, not to pulp. Jarvis Cocker. Whilst listening to pulp, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm watching pulp fiction. <laughs> I'm watching pulp fiction. The other item for our adjudication panel is, this week, the government released their racism report, which... I think pretty much any sane person has concluded it was an absolute stitch up. The report concluded that there was no institutional racism in this country, which is pretty insane and laughable considering all the shit that goes on and particularly in this year, all the shit we've seen. And, yeah. and actually the two people heading up the report, one of whom is a Tory, but, but I think they both might be Tories, but at least one of them is actual Tory. And also both of them have been quoted before launching the before heading the report quoted saying they didn't think there was institutional racism so so yeah how can they be the right people to lead a report on it so they basically tried to say there wasn't and basically everyone's come out saying they're wrong yeah which is unsurprising considering there's been like documentaries on the bbc essentially proving just showing the evidence of institutionalized racism in the uk that a lot of people weren't aware of because it was hidden uh, for, for for decades. So now they they're just to, trying to hide the evidence again. It's like, well, it's out in the open now. You only have to look at the uh, the deaths in NHS staff from COVID. The disproportionate amount of black people working in the NHS on the front line as cleaners and carers than those that have died. To, to actually realize how it's just like they put black people in the front line in the military like during the Vietnam War and shit. The other thing as well is is that the I think also the Sarah Everard thing revealed how again there's the idea of because it's a white woman then it, it, it got more attention than if it had been a black woman and, and they, I think I think it was the week afterwards a black a young black woman went missing in Bristol she was thankfully um, found in the end but there was nowhere near the sort of media coverage for her. For her. And I think that's something that we've talked about, DJ, isn't it? It's fucked it's up. It's like sometimes I see 
missing report signs, missing people signs. Native women go missing a lot. They're a really easy target if they live on reservations. And it happens in Canada. Yeah. Oh, I saw a documentary America. about that. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. The amount of times that Native Americans or, or Native Canadians are killed and there's like the police just do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. And it's like, they just don't care. It's like... And when I see missing girl signs and it's clearly made by mom and pop, it's not like... It's not the community it doing it. It's really made by mom and pop. And like, looking at the description, I'm, th- I'm thinking of this one sign I saw annoying, like where I was, that like reservation wasn't like far. A lot of people driving past that weren't going to notice it because they have like really no inclination to like notice those things. It's not going to like they're not going to like think about those things like oh yeah under like represented like people like going missing so because they don't like identify with it there's so many threats out there for minorities people that can't relate to that they just like gaslight everybody that's like it doesn't happen and it's like well of course it seems like an irrational fear to you and you can just go about your day because everything revolves around you I'm like obviously you're not gonna notice it of course people are gonna like point it out can't get mad about it. Like going going back to the report, well, Boris's own advisors has, has now resigned. Oh yeah, I think I heard that. And they and they've tried mm. to say it wasn't to do with that, but he was basically working in the equalities department. Yeah, and it's and it seems quite it seems highly coincidental at best. I think I don't, I, I don't think I know anybody of any political persuasion that's looked at this as, and thinks that's the natural conclusion. I think mean, pretty much everyone I know. I said it's a stitch up. You know what, though, Johnny? What? It isn't even just the Tories and Boris Johnson. Like, oh no. Even people on the left, like the British left, still don't. Like, they acknowledge, acknowledge racism, but they still don't really fully acknowledge the inherent racism of like British ideology. I like, completely agree with you. Like, the same way, like, conservatives will, like, don't want to hear about um, important figures or events for. Um, black people you know like black history and stuff things being like or if you call out something like oh actually this came from black people you know like they don't like that but like also people on the left don't really like it either (laughs) they don't want you to be oh yeah but this person everyone knows she's connected she's white like people on the left don't really want to hear that either all the time through that should we move on to the crux of our episode the meat of our burger of our culinary feast, this dangerous feast that is time, which sounds really abstract, but your eyebrows are dancing. Yes, I'm just thinking of the best times. I don't know. (laughs) Worst times. The time of my life. Those were the, yeah, they were the best times, the worst of times. Mm. DJ, you, you sort of suggested this and I sort of ran with it. You were viewing it very much on sort of, I guess on sort of capitalist lines and the sort of perception of time and how it sort of runs our life. So do you want to sort of like talk about that? Also, uh, also you uh, you introduced it with a uh, story about you and taking the bins out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I said that uh, I refuse to take the bins out. Hey. I left it really late. Or I like, you know, if I'm home, I'll wait to take them out to like, you know, midnight or near midnight. And it's crossed my mind, like, oh, I wonder, because it's so quiet. I'm sure people can hear the garage. You can, I mean, I can hear people open their garage doors and 
picking up their bins like down the street don't like care to like do things on like people's conventional perception of time you know where everything's you do this at this time and this mm-hmm. at that time like no everyone needs to know what my vibe is <laughs> and my vibe is I control my time. <laughs> That's the thing, like, you sort of segued onto the question that I wanted to ask, right? Because we asked our listeners on Instagram, who's in control of your time? Is it you or is it, like, work? Is it, like, the world around you? And the majority of people said it was work. So, Mar- And I, I noticed it's, like, it's kind of like, um, this is a funny reference, but um, <laughs> one of the SpongeBob episodes, like an old one word, Squidward, leaves and he keeps going back and checking in on spongebob like he's he can't even like relax you know because Mm. of the way that it's like ringed in his head you know like the schedule and stuff but i notice that in people sometimes it drives me crazy whoa can you like relax a little bit like it's like people that like feel bad for like relaxing because they're like oh my god i'm not doing anything productive i've got Mm. like a Mm. relative and he uh this thing where he'll like pretend to be working at home and to me it's just dude if you have nothing to do don't do anything like no one's judging you i don't give a shit like go outside smoke the weed that reminds me of the bill hicks joke he's like um i hate i hate working for a boss because uh my boss used to come up to he's like so why aren't you working bill it's like is there anything to do it's like well pretend you're working so well why don't you pretend i'm working you get paid more that's pre- what people pretend actually I'm, do. Pretend I'm, pretend I'm mopping and you can pretend we got customers we can close early. Yeah, that's, so that's, you that's actually happens though at a lot of jobs is like you end up pretending to work sometimes. I feel like that's a natural part of many jobs, to be honest. I feel like it's, it's something people so are uncomfortable crazy. talking about because everyone wants to think that they're, you know, everyone doesn't is very self-conscious and doesn't want to feel like they're not making the most of themselves. But the reality is... Uh, in a lot of jobs, keeping things varied and interesting enough and relevant enough and actually finding meaningful work is, is, is challenging. Like, that's that's the reality of it. And, like, yeah, right. like everyone's done that thing where they're just, like, pretending to work. You know? thing is, okay. like, I do not – I snap every time I've been in those kind of work conditions and um, – because I just don't even even outside of like work conditions, but just in general, I don't like people who I don't like hovering. <laughs> Thing is, covering. is like I can be really good at something as soon as like someone's like hovering me. I like snapped at a manager once because he was watching me at the till and like I messed up and he's there trying to correct me. I'm like, no, I know how to do it, just not when you're breathing down my neck. <laughs> And I just like cannot keep those jobs. I'm I just do not want to be. I can't be constrained <laughs> in that way. You know what I mean? And people shouldn't have to feel that way because it's fucked up. Because they bring that home. You know, capitalism is still this idea that only doing things that profit capitalism is productive. Anything to profit yourself, your soul, heaven forbid. Well, we've seen that as well. I, I was reading an article earlier and there was like links to sort of like, uh, I think it was Business Insider saying like ways to uh, use your spare time to make you more effective at work. So it's like even yeah. in your spare time, mm. you should be thinking about work. And that's like, that feels like sort of very much where we are with like time in like capitalism and stuff like that. Like, I think 
I did a bit of research about sort of like about time and sort of the concept of time and where where all this comes from. And I spoke to DJ about this earlier. Like, is I for me like time is like completely tied. The our, our, the way we perceive time is completely tied to capitalism, and certainly certainly sort of since the industrial revolution, where um, you started to see obviously clocks being produced more. Um, whereas before time was seen in a sort of very collective view, sort of like what's sort of best for everybody and, and particularly where people were living off their own land. Um, mm -hmm. It was very much up to them how they used their time. Um, but obviously in the Industrial Revolution, two things sort of happened. First and foremost, you start to have people with sort of private ownership of clocks and watches and stuff. So you'd have like a town and only say like two or three people would have be able to afford to get a clock. So that person would become like, who's obviously rich because they've been able to afford the clock, but that person would be basically have sort of monopoly on time in a weird way. Mm. And it I mean, it makes sense to the, the saying of like runs like clockwork. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very like industrial term, isn't it? It's a very so, mechanical term and it's, yeah, essentially time was mechanized, wasn't it? Yeah. So, mm. so you've got that and it's, and so there in many ways, it's like, that is a complete metaphor for sort of almost time itself being sort of colonized by the rich. And then it sort of in sort of in the industrial revolution itself, you know, people obviously flocking to the cities. So you move away from this idea of people living off the land um, and people basically selling their labor effectively, having nothing. They don't have land. They don't have anything, just their labor. Sort of ties into this whole thing of, of time being being colonized and now we've got this weird situation with the pandemic where now people are starting to work from home and actually it's sort of like decolonizing time because now suddenly people are in control of their time their schedule generally and it's like it's really weird i found it really weird when i first moved back being like shit i can like live at my own pace I can go outside and sit in the garden. I can walk around. It's, it's like so much better for your mental health. And like people, I mean, there's studies people are do better work, quality of work. And when they're, I mean, happier. <laughs> but, but it's, it's so great because, because life slowed down. You can actually like see what's yeah. going around. It what's adds that, context, doesn't it? I feel like everyone Ferris, can agree on this. What's that Ferris Bueller quote? If you life moves so fast, if you don't stop and look around, you, you, stop, look around you, might, you might miss things. You might miss it. And that, like, for me, the pandemic has like allowed me to look around mm. and like lockdown that. And but also, yeah, just like being able to sort of reclaim your time and schedule yourself, I think is a really empowering thing. But I think like capital is shitting themselves like a lot of big businesses are shitting themselves about it i think it was like goldman sachs a while the big sort of financial uh, companies come out basically saying oh they hate it and they can't they're like they they want all their workers to be back working in like in the office and again it's because then then they're in control again then they're in control of them when people are working and it feels it feels like working from home and this sort of decolonization of time is such a threat to capital because also then people realize how futile the whole like nine to five shit is. And yeah. Like, robotic. And also like, again, without trying to make it too sort of like Marxist sort of theory, the sort of process of alienation, 
that goes on that's sort of inherent within the sort of nine till five sort of system? Workers, I mean, like individual people doing the work know how to manage things more efficiently and manage time better than the people who are like overseeing it because they're not actually doing it. And so they have this set schedule. But thing is, when you're more, when you're free to like kind of move at your own pace, then you kind of will adapt your, like your lifestyle, your working style to your, your work. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like you'll, you'll manage it. Like, cause I know for me, like I might work really slowly on some projects to get done. (laughs) I I think this is partly human nature as well. I think there's, I think like a lot of um, the way businesses run is, it's very, mechanical and cutthroat and 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 time just it's it's just a part of that really isn't it it's just that that weapon essentially you have this much time to do this to be honest i think if you look at so many like big projects where there's deadlines like you know cock-ups are left right and center across the world in these major projects and these major businesses and corporations that claim to be so successful there are so many oversights so many errors and that's because humans (laughs) don't necessarily perform well under pressure so and, and i it doesn't necessarily like mean that letting people move at their own pace doesn't necessarily mean that things have to be slow or that there w- wouldn't be deadlines but i mean just little things like having two hour lunches instead of 30 minutes things like that and free to actually i mean i've had jobs where i could hardly go to the bathroom this is oh. ridiculous you want me to this mm. myself <laughs> I know I had that I had that in like when I used to work at Sports Direct if you had to like if you needed a piss they would like make you literally make you run to the toilet and back that's terrible and um, yeah just things like that and and I think also that that kind of Sports Direct thing and that kind of work kind of leads me to the next thing about so you've got this sort of the cult of the nine till five but in many ways capitalism has moved beyond that because you've now got the gig economy because because actually it's not it's now we've even moved beyond nine till five and actually like you know, with Uber and everything but like that. It's like the whole um, thing, though, because then people, like, will start boasting about, like, mm. saw this guy on Instagram boasting about work for different part-time jobs or something. And I was okay, well, this isn't a flex. This just shows how, like, fucking ridiculous yeah, capitalism exactly. Like, why, why are you doing that? There's jobs, like, you're going to do gig work. There's jobs that you can do even make more money in just, like, two days a week, honestly. And if you're going to do that many part-time jobs, you might as well have a full-time job. It's just weird to me. Like people think it's something to be proud of. But you've got like, you've got like Deliveroo and Uber where literally time is literally time is money and it is treated as such and workers are treated as dirt and time is monetized. And that, and that is the thing. And it's, 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 as I say, it's gone beyond nine till five. Literally, like, you're incentivized not to have free time. You're incentivized. Actually, no, I wouldn't even say it's incentivized. The opposite. You're disincentivized um, from doing anything. And it's, it's fucked up. But again, this goes to the other thing. Like, one of the sort of solutions to all of this is to reduce the working week. And I've seen that a lot people because i think there's there's lots of points a like i think if we had if people have more meaningful spare time for example i think people's mental health will be a lot better mm, if people yeah, can I actually so. genuinely relax and not be worried on a sunday about spend time with each other and stuff yeah mm. and i think that would 
a would improve people's mental health, which would probably also improve people's working when they actually do work. So there's that. Also, if there's one less working day, you're probably going to get less un- underemployment. You're probably going to have higher employment generally. Because that under the, the thing about like gear economy and that and what DJ was saying, it's more indicative of the fact that there's vast underemployment. There are so many people that are working part-time jobs who want to be working full-time jobs. Yeah. That's the answer, really. But it ain't gonna happen. I mean, we live in the age of like zero hour contracts and things. Yeah. So, you know, we're we're told all the time about how the unemployment rate is so fantastically low, yet, you know, all of these other things, poverty, uh, mental health, physical health, it's all uh, terrible. Um, so it's like, but it's like people are just used to having to work so hard for so little. It's not necessarily a good thing at all that the un- unemployment rate is so low. It's that people are, um, you, you know, left with very little uh, flexibility and obviously no wages increase proportional with inflation or anything like that. So, um, yeah, sorry, that was a really depressing side note. Uh, no, you're right, though. you're right. Yeah. And the whole thing, the whole thing is screwed up. But Should there's we... other countries of two-hour lunches that fucking American. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I, I do that. Like, I, I have done that. And, you know, like, sometimes I'll eat such a massive lunch that I'm, like, fucking unable to work, man, for, like, the next <laughs> half an hour. It's just, like, you know what, like, I'm literally going through a food coma right now. I'm doing my best to, to, to pull through. Um, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. American and British culture doesn't really, like, I, I feel like, um, doesn't appreciate sitting down enough and, like, eating, like, a meal. Mm. I'm all you know, for sitting I mean, down and eating, DJ. I am the the, the things eat. aren't, like, designed to be, like, you know your your work schedules and design so you can have like a proper lunch like you know i mean some of these you know freaking construction workers and like fans are having three-hour lunches with all together and a bottle of wine <laughs> like come on oh, no people wonder, that live no wonder, a little no wonder there's always mistakes in the building work huh no wonder there's always mistakes with the building work <laughs> My teachers um, in high school had wine in the teacher staff room. That's, um, as, a, as a former teacher, that sounds incredible. You well, alcohol is allowed on the premises, but they don't like consider wine real alcohol. That's very French. <laughs> but um, it's a soft drink. It is not alcohol. Yeah. Well, when they're all drinking at age eleven, with is a there drinking you know lemonade? You know what? There's a British version of that, and it's um. Uh, what's his name? He does that like parody documentary show and did one on drugs. Parody documentary uh, show. Yeah, what's his name? What's his name? He's an IT crowd. He's the original boss. Uh, is it Richard Iodi? No, you're talking about. No, 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 no. Um, you're boss. talking about uh, his the name, boss. the guy who makes the Chris Morris, the guy who makes that news program, um, Brass Eye. Yeah, yeah Brass Eye. And there's oh, the him, one where yeah. they're like, He's talking about drugs and he's in the pub drinking. Let's end the time, the time warp up the time zone, twilight zone, our time, our battle with time on a sort of lighter note. If we could travel back in time to anywhere, where would we go? Bertie, you go first. Oh, uh, I really haven't thought about mine. Um, but you know, like thinking about time travel always makes me think of like Blackadder. Um, 
so yeah i don't know <laughs> um i feel like i just would travel everywhere you know you can only go to one <laughs> if place, i could Bertie, you go oh, to one, place. one place um you know I, i'm not gonna say the 70s okay because the seven i just don't think the 70s would have been that great really go to the, go to the 70s 60s. In See the have a, can, a, a bottle of coke <laughs> You can literally yeah. do those could, things could, now. Could see the Rolling Stones live. No, I think if I if I could, um, I know this is probably going to sound really nerdy, but I'd probably go to like like kind of pre-Roman times. Um, You're right. Just because I'm I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of like a a landscape nerd, and I'm a bit of like a people nerd. I'd just be interested in seeing what like for example like what Britain was like pre-Roman times, and like then just exploring. And like going to fucking Stonehenge and being like, you know, what was this actually used for? Because we know fuck all about it <laughs> and things like that. I guess um, is the first thing that comes. How to long mind. do you think you'd survive? Uh, oh, that's a good point. I, I would probably want a chaperone of some sort. Maybe maybe I could have like an eagle who like Merlin. guides me. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Like Merlin or King Arthur or Captain Haddock. You know, no, King Arthur indeed. Uh, yeah, or Captain Haddock. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's where I'd go. I, th- I feel like you're going to come out with some answers because I'm going to think it's really clever and way better than that. <laughs> but okay. um, DJ, yeah. that's, that responsibility lies with you. Huh? That responsibility of being clever lies with you. Where are you going? Oh, where, where would I go? Sorry. Where would I go in the time machine? Yeah. You've got, you've got um, one ticket, one ticket going into one place. Um, you know, I'm black, so you know I'm good. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I I don't really need to go back anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to travel in further into the future. <laughs> oh no, it could be worse in the future. I mean, true. I know how I feel about going in the future, either, man. Like, true. Geez. That's true. I don't know. Can I come back to the present? You mean can you just not travel? Oh yeah, you can come back. You got you got a return ticket. You can come back. Okay. That's, that's then I guess I might travel in the future, but I don't really know what time. Would you go to the year three thousand? Not much has changed, but we live underwater. And DJ, your great, great, great granddaughter. That's pretty fine. Pretty yeah, that, that would be, I bet she My would first be album. Yeah, it would be cool to be like your bloodline. Yeah. True. Oh, God. I don't know my if I can bloodline. <laughs> I sort of my mutant great grandchildren. My uh, empire. <laughs> See where it's at. <laughs> you'll cut your when you go to the year three thousand. There'll just be weird gold statues of you, DJ, everywhere. Uh, yeah. Mimicking, I mean, mimicking your no, most maybe, mim- maybe the statues. The statues will be the statues will be mimicking your latest Instagram post. Anyway, mm. do you want to know where I go? The time machine. Where would you go? Yes. I probably would have the least interesting of the three of us. Back in time to when I took the picture. <laughs> I tell you not to do it. I'd be like, the, the flash. Like, don't do it, DJ. Don't do it. I would probably go. It's funny because I love music and I love like art and culture and stuff. 
and I've always been obsessed with different time periods. And actually recently I've been obsessed with a particular time period, which in some ways has been sort of inspirational to this mm. podcast and the way the whole aesthetic for this podcast, I guess, is that I would go to sort of late seventies, mid to late seventies, New York, um, mm. in the sort of punk scene. And I'd see like the beginning of like Blondie and Ramones and talking heads in that sort of like underground scene mm. and hang out with those people and the really cool like underground art of that time and start really, wearing you know i know what you do as well you go really into cool, that like, countercultural like time at the time you'd also you'd go back knowing what the 80s was going to be like so you could set the trends before the trendsetters of the 80s come about and you'd be like yeah, yeah i'm the new king wearing eyeshadow you know you could sort of you know i would yeah that sort of i would yeah, I swear that audrey does that in american dad or something <laughs> I would I would form the cure before the cure got formed. Indeed. No, but I think that'd be really cool. That scene, like I think it's yeah, I've been really into that sort of time period at the moment. There's something very sort of irreverent about it, and that too that punk in general is quite irreverent. I was actually watching a documentary about punk today about how it's basically invent like created in America and then exported here, where it became more popular and more accessible, and then exported back. To America. It's interesting. Yeah, because I never really knew like where I always thought punk started in here, you know. Well basically it's Ramones. Ramones, well, yeah. I guess the New York dolls were like in like the the sort of like inspiration for many, but the Ramones were basically the first punk band. Mm, yeah. And the the guy who was the Sex Pistols manager, Malcolm McLaren, went to New York and I think he saw the Ramones play. Um and there was a, I can't remember the name of the, the uh, bar, but it was a bar where the Ramones used to play, Blondie played, Talking Heads played. I love Blondie. And yeah, Malcolm McLaren went there and then he came back, um, really influenced by that. And eventually he put together the Sex Pistols and then was quite uh, influential in the, the clash then being formed and all that kind of stuff. So the punk scene really was sort of inspired by what was going on in, in America. That said, it got a lot more mainstream traction here, possibly because there was more political strife here at the time. So there was more like, there was more of a political element to our punk than there was in America, for example. Um, and it was more, more extreme, more extreme. Um, I, and think also, wor- I think it works like, because like Britain, like as a whole, I mean, like there's like area, there's parts of the US that are like similar, like, Honestly, Seattle isn't too different in um, a lot of ways. There's a lot of similarities. Like, mm. they both got, like, this... Um, there is a vibe that's, like, pretty similar or an aesthetic, subculture or whatever. Um, but, but that's, like, just certain part of America yeah. where it's, like, when I was- sad and dark and cloudy everywhere <laughs> and that was the problem with a lot of those bands is that they could sell gigs in new york and chicago but if they wanted to drop like play in like texas or oklahoma mm. no one would come yeah yeah and then yeah. when the sex pistols this is quite a famous story when the sex pistols toured america the original plan was for them to tour like um new york and all that kind of stuff but they decided oh no we want to like fuck shit up let's go to the places where they don't <laughs> want us and let's go to Oklahoma. Yeah, and they so they basically went Classic. to like, like Houston and places like that, and they got like bottles thrown at them, and yeah. people hated it. And and actually, it was a lot. 
and that a lot of the punk bands, American punk bands, like Ramones, Blondie, Talking Heads, their initial success was was here because they just wouldn't get played on American radio. They were more into like the Eagles and soft rock and middle of the road I'm not music. A big fan of, I like, well, I honestly, so yeah, I shit. Like, like two songs by the Eagles. Let's not talk about the Eagles. I don't like the Eagles. Obviously, Hotel California is like number one, but yeah. like What's the, the rest one? of it, I don't really I don't care. There's like well, there's two songs by the Eagles I know, and Take to be it. honest, I've forgotten the second one. Yeah, I know there's I another one, and I can't remember it. Yeah. I don't think they're that memorable apart from. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel like, do you know what though? Like Hotel California, at the same time as it is it being a great song, is it such a slow song? Like to build up into it, I sometimes get really frustrated. I know it sounds really silly, but sometimes that I, intro no, is like fucking it. hurry up, man. I have <laughs> like, a weird relationship. But that's the whole thing of punk, right? Because it's the song that's like literally followed me, followed me. It's so weird. Where a song followed you? It will start playing when, like, often before something weird, or even if it's just like deja vu. Ah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. It'll, like, it'll it's weird. When you're thinking of a song and then you go into a shop and it's playing and you're like, hold on. Yeah, and then something that. I had that, like I had something, that. Something's about to happen. I know. It's like a, mm, like a soundtrack. Some weird shit, man. Satan's just like a DJ and he's playing. <laughs> There's a little secret <laughs> DJ. There's a secret Every DJ time. inside DJ. Um. <laughs> But yeah, you might want to reword that. Yeah, I I might, I might edit that out. Um, <laughs> no, you can keep it. <laughs> oh come on, yeah, the shit we say on this podcast, man. Like we could literally leave it all in, to be honest, and it wouldn't make any difference. Like, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm going back to late seventies New York. I'm gonna jam with Ramones and Talking Heads. I'm gonna be the psycho killer. Guess guess so. Um, like well. Thing with the seventies is like it's one of those eras that gets like romanticized, right? I think in terms of like um like fashion, like there's things that I like, there's music that I like. Um yeah, you've, got take, you've got to take the um, shit because there's a reason but, why but, there's but, a reason why punk was so popular because everyone was poor as fuck and there was yeah New York was a shithole in the late seventies. If yeah. you watch yeah. watch Joker, watch fucking Joker, because that is basically new york in the late 70s but like the cringiest part about the 70s though like is like all like just all the white women walking around as like they're fucking in like pocahontas costumes mm. <laughs> you know mm. like the whole like talk about like culture appropriation like this isn't mm. like anything new. like it was just as cringy then as it is now <laughs> to be fair dj i can imagine you, like that i can imagine you in flares you can imagine me in flares, yeah. like the pants, the trousers with the. Yeah, Tra- I sorry, do like. Sorry, them. I sorry, like them sorry. A lot, trousers. <laughs> I like those a lot. They're not pants. But, the trousers, but not the, um, not like the freaking headdresses and shit. I mean, people still do that. It's like a like a festival thing, I guess, mostly, but. It wasn't okay then. It isn't okay now. If I were, if I did go back to a time, I might like just kill some hippies. <laughs> mm, no. 
Yeah, well, maybe so. Maybe you would go back to Woodstock and just like slaughter some hippies there. Maybe. Like go back to Jay the seventies and like get a fucking Dodge Challenger and like you know drive yeah. through the country and just go mad, you know have like a just go full GTA. Go down like, to like sounds like money. go to Tijuana or whatever. But then like I kill some hippies yeah, on the way. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, GTA mate. Yeah, GTA. Get a stripper killer as well. The Seattle Strangler. <laughs> I'd steal all their psychedelics. It'll be like we're in Las Vegas. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. GTA D Warner, like 1970. That would be an amazing game. Who needs time be. travel when you have that? It's basically Mafia 3. Mafia 3. <laughs> mm. Yeah, man. I feel like capitalism is definitely as much on steads then as it is now. In fact, it was probably, I wouldn't say worse, but you know, it's when it was started, isn't it? Well, we got in the late seventies when and the early eighties is when we want the birth of neoliberalism, and we moved into Reaganism and Thatcherism, where basically it's like capitalism on steroids. As you know, I wouldn't say steroids. I wouldn't say steroids. It's capitalism on Viagra. No, oh. that's what it is. Oh yeah, no, it is. It's it's kind of overtly sexualized as well, isn't it? True. Yeah, yeah. But yeah mm. That's that's a story for another day. I think. We should end with some funny news. I have one story, which I haven't even read properly, but I think maybe Viagra would be kind of relevant for this. It is. The headline reads, courtesy of the Metro. Matt Hancock says his bright red office is like a soothing boudoir. Health Secretary Matt Hancock has given insight into his working process, describing his unusually decorated office as soothing and like a boudoir. So yeah, Matt Hancock, is, he always does videos, uh, interviews from like his weird red office, and it looks really weird that it's red. And apparently he's likened it to a boudoir. Philip Schofield's like, what? A boudoir? What have you just said? And then he said, and Matt Hancock then said, oh, it's just me and my paperwork. That is very creepy. Just him and Jazzy on his paperwork. According to Cambridge Dictionary, a boudoir is a beautifully decorated room used in the past by a woman for sleeping, dressing, relaxing, and entertaining. Mm -hmm. Who's he entertaining in there? (laughs) Someone commented... Someone commented, I'd rather not hear the words Matt Hancock and Boudoir in the same sentence. <laughs> Matt Hancock referring to his red office as a soothing boudoir is the last thing I needed to hear today. Never want to hear him saying those words again. Another Twitter user claimed that was an amazingly easy way to change the narrative from questions over PPE. Just by think imagining Matt Hancock in a boudoir. Yeah. So Matt Hancock has a boudoir. It's too fair, he's the least boudoir-y type MP as well, like Matt Hancock basically looks like he's a virgin. Like <laughs> I've never been sure, more sure of a politician being a virgin than Matt Hancock. Yeah, I mean, if you could, if if you could summarize virgin in a look, it would be that. It would be a little glance Matt Hancock gives you when you ask him about PPE related issues, and he's there exactly. in his white in his little pink tie. That man has never had sex. I I would imagine Boris. Being quite at home in a boudoir, though he'd probably been chucked. He would probably get chucked out. <laughs> Him sort of wrestling security staff in a brothel. That's the sort of that's the sort of level that Boris gets to. I promise I could pay you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll pay for any irreparable damages. <laughs> you said that last okay, week. Boris. That needs to be a sketch. <laughs> yeah, Boris. Boris in the boudoir. That sounds like a novel, a children's novel. Boris and uh, the Boudoir. Oh. It could be. Also, I'm now thinking of Boris and the Boogie, which sounds like a great 70s tune. Boris Johnson 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, basically. 
Oh my God, that has to be a movie. We have to make that movie. <laughs> For our listeners, we are thinking of when lockdown ends, DJ's taking a photo of us. I don't know why. So maybe produce some videos. We'll see. There might be other, some other interesting stuff going up. Okay. Little nuggets. But anyway, I think that is good. That is us. So thank you very much, everybody. Stay dangerous. Keep safe. Keep holding truth to power. Keep getting high. Keep eating pineapple pizza. Keep holding power to truth. So yeah. So, truth to power. Power, power to, truth. to truth. You control your time. Just you control your do time. It. Do it. In the words of Flash, Barry Allen, there is no future. There is no past. It is all now. So. <sighs> Holy shit. Cheerio, everybody. So deep. <laughs> <laughs>